this message will be an inside game of what, we're call, what, what we at the summit are called to do. I'm going to talk generally as the church, but I'm also going to give specifics for the summit. And so for all of you who are watching that aren't a part of the summit, you're going to get the inside father to children talk, okay? You're going to get the real deal, the raw deal, and if this means that this is something that you connect with, then I ask you to connect and be a part of what God is calling us to do because our vision is different than other people's vision. But the mission of the church is the same. It's been the same since before the foundation of the, of the world. And he's called us to engage in it. And I believe that the enemy has tried to do distractions upon distractions upon distractions. And we, we won't know anything until January 6th. I didn't hear anybody. Everybody sort of sighed at that. We won't know anything about what's going on in America until January 6th because there's this this uh, vote that happens between the House and the Senate where they actually acknowledge the electors, and then it's all over. So anything that's happened to this point, no matter what side you're on, anything that's happened to this point, I would hold on to it very lightly because uh, the 18, 1886 uh, vote, uh, the, the law that came out in 1886 says that we have to have a joint session of Congress, that all the votes have to be accepted and validated. None of that's happened yet either. And, uh, and you know what's really sad to me? It's really sad to me that we are a nation of laws. And in a nation of laws, we, as people, now this is everyone in the room, because we have gotten sucked into not believing that we have laws, that we actually believe that a media outlet, or many of them, can actually determine what the law hasn't determined. So I don't care which side you're on, it's not a legal thing. It's just somebody saying this is what we believe. And with all the craziness going on in the world, I don't believe anybody. And so what I have to do and what I had to do, my family got frustrated with me because Monday I was fired up, Tuesday I was fired up, Wednesday I got up, I was really fired up. And, uh, and then I just took some time with the Lord. Because there's one thing that I know about the Lord is he's not swayed by politics, red or blue. He's not swayed by anything else. We've talked about the kingdom. We've talked about all that stuff. He's not swayed by any of it. So when you go to him and you take some time to just settle into who he is, you realize that he is truth. And so whenever I got connected in a deep, deep way to him about the truth, yeah, none of the rest of it really matters because there are laws, there's things in place, there's, there's lots of stuff going on. But what I want to tell you is, I believe that we're going to see an outcome that is favorable for the kingdom of God. But I also believe that no matter what, it doesn't change our mission. It may only change our method. And so this morning, I want to take the focus off of the kingdom clash, although it's probably raging more today than it was even last week, that there's lots of craziness in the heavens going on. And I believe, and you hear me, hear my heart, I believe we should be interceding and declaring and, and believing what the prophets said. If we're going to believe them in the Old Testament, then we better believe them today and we better stand on their word just like they did in the Old Testament. We need to intercede. We need to make our prayer closet our home for the next few weeks as this, as this world gets crazier and crazier. And you think that things were bad before, they're going to I, I'm not declaring it. I'm just telling you, observation would tell you that things are probably not going to get any, any better anytime soon. But I can tell you that there is peace in the presence of God. And that when you go to him, 
He will give you direction. He will give you understanding and he will give you peace. And what I learned in my time with the Lord is that he called me back to the mission. He called me back to the mission and he said, I don't care what the world is saying. I don't care what your country is saying. I spoke to people and I can't talk about the country today because we're broadcasting live. I talked to people. The church is exploding in places around the world that I'm not going to mention right now. And, and they've got worse off things than what, what we see on our TV. They've got much worse things and people are coming to Jesus knowing that when they walk out of the doors of the house that they will probably be murdered but they're coming to him because he is hope. And so no matter what the world says this morning, I'm just here to tell you, have hope, have peace. And when you don't, because you're scrolling on Facebook and, and the mass exodus of Facebook is like in a week or two, everybody's gonna go to parlor and that'll be the next big thing. But here, here's the deal. As you're scrolling through the nonsense of your life trying to figure all this out, ignore the nonsense. So, I believe and you believe that there's only one church. And as I've been meeting with pastors all around this region, all the pastors, we, we meet together, we talk together, we, we are just having coffee together, having laughs together. We're uniting on projects to go walk and release the light in our community. And we're, we're doing these things. I am more convinced today that there's really only one church and there's one mission. And I believe that throughout all the history and the annals of time that we have been distracted from our mission by doing good things. Now, I'm going to be strong this morning. And I come to you with a, with a strong message, and I want you to receive it. And even though your flesh is going to say that's completely wrong, I want you to receive it because I'm bringing to you the kingdom of God. The church as we know it did not exist before the fall of Adam. Adam fell in Genesis 3, we know that. I love that right after it says that they, that they fell, they realized they were naked. But it says that Jesus, that God was walking with them in the garden in the cool of the day looking for them. That even in the most crazy time of betrayal of God, he was still seeking humanity for restoration. No matter what the world looks like, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've hurt, no matter what you've said, God is still walking and wanting to be connected to you. And I believe that this church that existed before God sort of goes like this. Adam was created as humankind. He was the race, Adam was the race that was created. It wasn't just about one man. He represented everyone. And when he met with the Lord, they were having what church should look like. Yeah. That, that when Adam was walking with the Lord and, and he was conversing with the Lord in the cool of the day, when they would walk around this beautiful garden, that they were having what we should be calling church today. You see, they were having church before the church that we understand because after the fall, there was a different kind of church. I believe our mission is to get back to the church where we walk with the Lord, where we, where we sit with him in the cool of the day. When he says you have dominion to name things, you name them. When he says you have control over this world, we seize that control. You see, it's not about services. It's not about great worship. It's not about a good word. It's not about that one-on-one -on -one time that you had with that person this week. It's about living out the kingdom demand, our mission upon the earth, which he gave to Adam before the fall. And so we this morning have to understand that God created the church before the fall. We created the 
the actual assembling and putting things together and man created all the all the hoopla what god wants is he wants us to be in his presence he wants us to sit so close to him that we hear his heartbeat that we understand what he thinks about what's going to happen tomorrow what he thinks about what should happen even right now and that we believe what he says because he is our creator you see, that's the problem with the world right now is that for a hundred years, this plan has been to derail the authority and the authenticity of God. And so when you talk about being created, many people have been taught about coming out of this primordial soup and we just happen to be here. Well, it's hard to talk to somebody about being created when they are so bombarded with untruth. But God has called us on a mission to bring the kingdom of heaven to this earth. That is what the church is called to do. And the church is not this building. The church is not, the church is not all the other buildings in the city. The church isn't even the church of Dover or New Philadelphia or Tuscarawas County. Although I believe and we have a slogan that says one church, one county. The church is the individuals who meet with the king. Now we've talked a lot in the last year and a half about the kingdom of God. And, and I believe that for the next 30 years, that's my message. Is that we need to bring the church back from being an institution back to being what we were created to be, a governmental agency. And so we know we've defined this, and I'm going to define it again. And, you know, there's, there's this interesting thing about our minds. The, the, the world is trying to brainwash us for all the hours throughout the week. And then we come into church and we think that one hour of Pastor Rob or whoever else is speaking is going to wash away all that and we're going to be brainwashed into being believers again. You've got to understand that everything that is coming at you is trying to shift your brain. So in the next few minutes, shift your brain to what the Lord is saying. And as I read these definitions to you, I want you to own them. I want you to ingest them. I want them to change who you are this morning. We call the church, the word in the Bible for church is ecclesia. That's what Jesus used. And it's not a building. It's not a pulpit. It's not music. It's not even a great prayer time. It's not a fire tunnel. That's not the church. For the church is a political word. Ecclesia is a political word. And Jesus used it. Why did he use that word? Why did he come in the time that he came? Because there was one group of people on the planet that knew how to do kingdom stuff better than any other civilization before them. We know that Adam fell in Genesis 3. And it was 4,000 years later that Jesus comes on the scene speaking what? His core message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. There is a new government here. There is a new call. There is a new thing that has come in your midst and it will change who you are if you just accept it. And so he used the word ecclesia because the Greeks, before the Romans, it's interesting, the Greeks came up with the, the verbiage. They were the studying people. Uh, I love our people that study and teach and do all that stuff. It's great. They did that. But Rome came in and took their wisdom and brought it into their government. And so the words that the Romans used, they were using Greek thoughts and Greek words and bringing them into the Latin culture of Rome. And making people shift. But what does the Ecclesia mean? It is a group of people appointed by the king or the emperor whose responsibility it was to get the emperor's mind, the emperor's ideas, the emperor's desires, the emperor's dictates, and then turn those ideas and dictates into practical policy and legislation. They were a governmental body. 
The ecclesia is a governmental body. And then not only create policies and legislation, they were called to then execute them throughout the whole empire so that the empire could do what the emperor wanted them to do. Now, Jesus didn't come with the word emperor. He came with the word king. He's our king. And he wants an ecclesia. He wants a governmental body that is called to bring his thoughts, his ideas, his desires, everything that he wants. He wants us as the ecclesia to execute that in the world that the world would begin to look like heaven. That's our mission. That's our mission. Turn with me to Matthew 16. We're going to start in verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, The biggest question that you need to answer in your life this morning but who do you say that I am? Now, Simon Peter, so Jesus gave Simon the name Peter, which means small pebble. It's very interesting. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Wow, what revelation? Didn't come from himself. And then it says, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So we know that he didn't just come up with this idea. He's connected to a source. The Father gave him something. He said it. Boom. There is something established when you begin to speak. So for all of you who are speaking negative things about what's going on in the world, stop it. Amen. Just stop. Turn it off. Stop. Because your words have power. Verse 18 says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, pebble, and on this rock I will build my church. It's not him building the church on Peter the pebble. He says a rock, a boulder, I'm going to build my church on. What is the boulder in this conversation? The boulder is the truth from the Father that he is the Son of God. On that rock, I'm going to build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell, Hades, will not prevail against it. Now, King James uh, gives us three different translations for hell. They just throw everything in the hell basket, right? It's like Hades, Gehenna, and Sheol. Those all are translated in the King James as hell. But we're going to talk about Hades. In the New King James, it says Hades. In those scriptures, Hades is the hole in the ground where somebody is put when they die. That that is not going to prevail against his church. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. Uh, I like shoes. But whenever I comment about these shoes, I say, these are my shoes. By saying they're my shoes doesn't mean that there's no other shoes. It actually implies that there are other shoes out there. And hopefully you're wearing them. There are other shoes out there. And so by saying these are my shoes means that there's other things in the world. And Jesus said, this is my church will be built upon the truth that you just spoke from the Father. My church, that doesn't mean that there's no other church. That means that, that Caesar had his own governmental body. 
that Jesus is saying, now my governmental body is now on the scene. And all these other governmental bodies, these other ecclesias, these other councils, these other legal bodies, they're still out there. But I'm telling you, mine will be built on this revelation. I am the Christ. And upon that declaration, I'm going to establish my group of people who will execute my mind. So if you are here today and you are doing the church deal, and you are not connected to the king, and you don't know what the king is saying in this hour, there's a problem. Because he says, my sheep will know my voice. And those who stay near me, how do you know? When, when Jen and I are looking at a project, when we're looking at something, we can't just stay 10 miles apart and try to figure out what the other one is thinking. We're supposed to be on the earth as the ecclesia, the governmental body, to execute the thoughts and desires and heart of the king. How do we do that with not being with him? You see, many Christians around the world believe that if they come and do the church thing, that they've got everything handled. And then they go out and they get eaten up by the world. Because it's not about coming to this house. He says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I get that. You need to be here. And for those who aren't here, go bring them next week. But here's the issue. It's not about being here. It's about who you're close and listening to. There's many believers that I've even looked at this week that are listening more to the world than they are to the Lord. And how can we be his governmental body on the earth if we're not even listening to what he's saying? So it all comes down to relationship. The kingdom is moved and ruled by relationship. It is about your relationship to the king of kings. It's about your relationship and receiving his love. You cannot go out. There's, there's three different ways that, that I like to look at this is that there, there's this transformation that happens inside of us when we consider the mission. You see, when you're, when you're born again, oftentimes people convince you that the outward working of that born again experience is what needs to happen first. That there's, you need to go to the world and you just need to share it all. I'm not saying that that's bad. None of these three are bad. I'm saying the order might be skewed in some people's minds. Is that, oh man, now I'm born again. I need to go change the world, but we don't even know about God's love. It says that we get there by the renewing of our mind. You haven't been brainwashed yet. You haven't, your mind hasn't been washed clean and, and new things put in there. You just met Jesus. That's great, but there's a discipleship process. There's a difference between a, co a conversion experience and a discipleship experience. And so when we send our babies out to the world to transform the world, the world can beat them up. And so the, the church for a long time has said, we, we just got to go change the world. We got to go change the world. And I've said it. We do have to change the world. But if we make the outward expression of that inward conversion, if we make that expression without having an inward transformation and an upward focus... We go out into a world that can tear us apart. You see, the focus should not be on just transforming the world. Let's get transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then let's make that inward transformation. Let's receive God's love. There are many people that sit in the pews all across the world today that have never experienced God's love. They've never experienced who he is. And how can we go on mission with God's love to the world when we can't even explain what it feels like, when we can't even explain what it is like. So God is saying, 
I want to go back to Genesis. I want to go back to the relationship that I had with Adam before the fall. And that's why he sent Jesus, to redeem what man had lost. And we talked about over the last few months that, that Adam did not lose a religion, he lost a government. Now, why do we read the Constitution? We read the Constitution to consume the heart, the mind, and desires of the Lord. So that then we can take the heart, the mind, and desires of the Lord and give them out to those around us. You see, that's the call of the church. The mission of the church is to represent heaven here. Well, how do you know what heaven's like unless you talk to the man who created it? Now, a while back in the very beginning of September last year, we talked about being an ambassador. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is the one in charge who's supposed to bring the, the culture of a, of a country and bring it into a new area, a new focus, and to be able to bring everything that the king has dictated and bring it into reality in a new nation. And we are called ambassadors of Christ. How can you be an ambassador of a country and be speaking your own voice? I think that if our ambassadors from the United States all around the world just began to speak their own thoughts, we might be in trouble. No, they speak the thoughts of the nation in which they come from. And so we've got a lot of people out there that are sharing their own thoughts and not sharing what the kingdom is saying in this hour. So what is our mission? I want to say this to you that every day you need to be getting up and saying, Lord, I want to be on mission for you. You see, a mission is a broad term. A vision is a focused term. But a mission is something that we are called to engage in that will transform greater things. Now, I, I sort of like to go, I'm going to give you this illustration. I like to go to the store without a vision. The mission is we go to the grocery store. I like to go without a vision. My wife likes to go with a vision. There's a problem with going without a vision because I normally end up with the whole store. She likes to go with a vision, so she gets exactly what we need. Minus all the good stuff. But, but I'm just saying that there's a difference between a mission and a vision. The mission is to go to the store. The vision is what sets you apart and keeps you on track. We're going to talk today about the greater mission. So don't get into this. When you're hearing me talk about the mission of, of the church, don't be thinking that I'm talking about Oreos or fat-free cheese. Okay? I'm talking about going to the store. Does that make sense? We're talking about the broader vision. We're going to go to the store. We're going to do what he calls us to do in this greater assignment. Now, the church, and, and, and I love it, the church talks about the Great Commission. The interesting thing about that word is it's a prefix and a word. Co, which means together. Mission, which I just defined as the general assignment. Not the specific assignment, but the general assignment. So the Great Commission is that we're going to co-labor together on this general assignment that he's given the church, and we're all going to execute it in the ways that God has gifted and made us. And that includes bodies of believers as in churches. The mission, therefore, is vague, but definitely giving direction. Let's look at Luke 4, 43 and 44. This is the mission of the church. And as I read through the Gospels, I continue to find more and more and more about our mission. I continue to find more and more and more about what God has called us to do as family. Luke 4, 30, 43 and 44 says this, But he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, 
I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Underline those verses in your Bible. Jesus is giving us his mission. We can't know our mission unless we know his mission. So make sure that you make a note on that. This is Jesus' mission. He's declaring it to you that he has been sent to preach the kingdom of God. To announce the arrival of rulership of heaven. Man, I love it that the leader, the leader of the world, the creator of the world, has been so plain in how he explains what he's here to do. You see, I think we can get bogged down in the good and never get to what we're called to do. I want to give you this, this thing. This is where you got to hear me, hear what I'm saying. Jesus didn't say this, or he says that his perspective is this. I didn't come really to raise the dead. He didn't really come to raise the dead. Although, in 33 and a half years, he raised three dead people. But that's not why he came. And that's why it wasn't a big deal to him. We make it about raising dead people, and it becomes a big deal to us. No, it wasn't his big deal. It was just something that happened that declared what he was here for. He didn't come to heal the blind, or even, according to the record, he healed five blind people in 33 and a half years. That wasn't his mission. That didn't get him all worked up. He just did it. You don't read in scripture that he healed the blind man, then he went off running around saying, yay me. No, that wasn't his mission. But he did it. He didn't come to heal people of palsy, although there were a lot that he healed of palsy. That wasn't his mission. That wasn't his focus. If you don't know your mission, you will get hung up doing a lot of things that have nothing to do with what you're called to do. Bear with me. The devil's greatest weapon against you, and I'm talking about the church, but I'm talking about you individually as well, is to preoccupy you with good things so that you miss the mission that you've been called to do. He wants to distract us, derail us. Now this is where I'm going to be strong. And I want you to hear my heart. Social issues are not our mission. Are we supposed to love on people? Yes. Are we supposed to help people out? Yes. We give alms to those in need. So hear my heart. But that is not our mission. If we make giving alms our mission, all we'll do every single day is hand out every resource that God gives us we'll be handing out. Because once you give someone something, you might as well start a whole new ministry about it if you don't have any expectations of them because you will create something that needs to be sustained. And that is not the mission of the church, although we do it and we love people. But see, here's my heart. Everybody was asking, like, what in 2020, 2021, Pastor Rob, what are you feeling? I want people to come here with a need that we can help, but we help them expecting them to get out of the need that they're in. We don't feed them for the next three years. We feed them for a week or two, and then if they keep coming back, we say to them, what is bringing you back? Why hasn't something changed? I know this is strong, but 
The poor don't need money. They need someone to ask how they got poor in the first place. Because there were situations and things that have happened in their life that have taken them to where they are. It's good to give them money, but that's not really what they need. They need you to be on mission. They need you to be so fired up about who God is to you that you give them Jesus. And if you hand them a $20 bill, that's your prerogative if that's what he says to you. But they don't need money. They need a brainwashing transformation encounter with the Holy Ghost that takes them from being a needy soul to being a provider of the kingdom. I want to take you to a scenario in Scripture about this exact situation. Luke 7, 18 through 30. You all know this experience. John the Baptist is in prison. He's about to be done away with, and he sends a message to Jesus. And he asked Jesus this question. We're going to read it, but this is my paraphrase. Are you the one that we've been expecting? Okay? So it says in verse 18, Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Is this you that we've been looking for? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? I'm glad that they could actually, you know, repeat what he said. Be careful how you hear. That way you can repeat it clearly. I'll let that one sit for a minute. And that very hour, he cured many infirmities. The same hour that they came and talked to him, he cured many infirmities, afflictions, dispelled evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Wow. I mean, right in front of them, they're asking, is this the guy? And he's like, bang, it happened. Now that's not his mission. That's not his mission. But he did it. Very interesting. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. Here you go. The poor have the gospel of the kingdom preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended of me, not offended because of me. What he says is the poor are getting information. They're getting the good news of the kingdom of God given to them, which changes their perspective. That's what's happening. So yes, I am that person, and you know that because I'm not just spooling out things to people that aren't going to change their life. Our perspective has to change. They were receiving a transformation of thought, not just a handout. I'm asking you today, when you receive kingdom revelation in your heart, something changes. You begin to look at the world differently. You begin to walk differently. I know whenever I receive new kingdom revelation, my shoulders go back. I love in Galatians, whenever he talks about the coming Messiah, what he describes all that. He says, in the fullness of time, that doesn't mean what's on your watch. That means that when the time is right, things happen. And you know what? The time is right that we're debt-free. The time is right that there's carpet downstairs. The time is right that people are getting jobs here. There's other people, the time isn't right for you. But don't give up hope. See, when you get kingdom revelation, you start to believe that everything that the word says is possible in your life. 
We don't walk around wondering. We know that this is the truth. Jesus said, my assignment, my mission, is to preach the gospel of the kingdom in every city. We cannot be all about social services and forget about meeting with the king. We can't be about social services and we can't just stop executing those things. Now I want to give you an illustration that would maybe shift your focus for one second. If you left here, if you left here this morning and you were driving through Dover and there was a blind man on the corner and the blind man had a cup all of us would probably feel compelled to drop a quarter in the cup or whatever the Lord would tell you to do. That's not wrong. I'm just telling you how far we've come from the kingdom mission. Because of the church, we would go help them, right? That's our heart. We would go help them. Yes, yes. But I want to tell you what Jesus did. Jesus did something completely different than dropping a quarter in the cup. Because when you drop a quarter in the cup, you're encouraging that person to come back the next day and seek for more quarters. Jesus didn't do that. He said, that isn't, how our, that isn't how my kingdom works. He says, I'm gonna walk over to this person. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna help them come back tomorrow needing something more. I'm gonna give them all that I am. And so he goes over and he lays hands and says, now see and get to work. Are you bold enough to walk this life? To watch God heal someone and say, get to work. Get to work. I believe that the church has been so distracted by service projects that we've missed being the agency of change in the world. Now, don't get mad at me because you know that I'm serving with you out there. But I'm saying the distraction of that instead of walking up and saying be healed and go get to work. There's a difference between the church and the kingdom mission. And we got to get that all figured out and we'll see the revival that God has called us to see. But we won't if we believe that we can just throw some money in a bin and people are going to be fine. We have to give them who he is in us. I really believe that when people come with a need, that need should only be temporary because we connect them to the source and that source is the king of kings and that source will eliminate their need and they will come into an alignment and a mental, mental focus that will transform their situation. And if they're not getting it, then we need to work harder and we need to introduce them closer and we need to sit with them and walk with them and transform who they are just by being in our presence. When Jesus walked into the room, everybody took notice. Why? Because he was on mission. He was on mission. Christ did not come to service the world. He came to change the world because he brought a kingdom government. Why are we trying the opposite. If you give a man a fish, he'll come back tomorrow. If you teach him how to fish, you won't see him again, and you'll probably start an entrepreneurial, generational blessing. Here's the thing, and the reason why I believe that the church is not engaged in this message to this, this point. 
Because when you believe in kingdom truth, it makes you responsible for your destiny. And when you can blame the pastor because he's not preaching the right thing, or you can blame the pastor because he's not doing the right thing, you've taken the focus off of the kingdom, you've put it on the church, and you're wasting time. When you look at your neighbor and say you're not doing it the right way, you're wasting time. We are called to be responsible for our destiny. And that's why the church has not hit the mark. We look around the world and we say 49.7% people believe this, 49.7% of people feel that, and the 6.6% in the middle don't believe anything and don't vote anyway. And, and, And we wonder why. It's because we've been so focused on servicing our community instead of bringing the kingdom of heaven and ruling our region. Matthew 10, verse 7 says this. And as you go, preach. He passes this vision of the kingdom that he says is his vision onto the 12. And he says, and as you go, preach. What? The kingdom. The kingdom. He's repeating the instructions that the Father had given him because he only did what he saw the Father do and he only said what he heard the Father say. So he's repeating to the disciples the same commission that he had. And that is, preach the kingdom. Not preach the gospel of the church. Not preach the gospel of Jesus. Preach the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus didn't even preach his own gospel. He preached the kingdom. Matthew 24, 14 says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony. Underline that in your Bible. Sometimes we read through this and we miss it. If it's not in your Bible, it is in this translation and it means the same thing in your Bible, whatever that word is. But it shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. The end that we've all been looking for will only come when we do what he says. When our mission is completed. Not the mission of starting another organization. Not the mission of going and helping another organ. No, the mission of bringing the kingdom of heaven into earth and not apologizing for it, just preaching the kingdom. So what's the mission? His mission is clear, preach the kingdom. What's the disciples' mission? It's very clear, preach the kingdom. What's our mission as the the followers of Jesus in 2020? Preach the kingdom. Preach the kingdom. Now I wanna, you've underlined the word, but I want you to write in the margin what that word really means. Testimony, I love that Jesus used a lot of legal terms. Because he knew that justice was found in the court, whether it be the courtroom of heaven or the courtroom of earth. He used legal terms so that there was no changing what they meant. He was taking Greek words and he was saying, this is what this term means, ecclesia. I want my church to understand that this is what they're called to do. And then he says, okay, now, uh, it will be a testimony to the nations. Another legal term. Do we ever look into that? It's another legal term. What does it mean? Testimonies are held in courtrooms. What are they called to do? If you're called to give a testimony in a court, you are called to witness or attest to something that happened. So so let's go back to scripture. It says, 
and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony. Not as a theory. Not as a great idea. But as a testimony. That means you have to test the kingdom. Nobody believes you if you talk about the kingdom, but you're not walking in it. You have to give a testimony. You give a testimony in court to see if what the plaintiffs are saying is actually true. You're giving a testimony. A testimony is when you test something to see if it's real. Many people in the church have never tested the kingdom of God, so we can't proclaim it. We can't testify about it because we don't know that God wants us to be wealthy. We don't realize that God wants us to live a supernatural, healthy life of divine health. That everything that he has promised us in the scripture is true. We can talk about it all the time, but when we actually walk in it, it changes who we are. It changes those around us. When you've been believing and believing and believing for that specific chair in your living room, so you can watch all the nonsense on TV. You've been believing for that chair, and you asked the Lord, you sought it out, you knocked and you said, Lord, can I have that thing? And then it comes into your possession, you are fully changed. Because the kingdom of heaven is evidenced in your living room. If you've not had those experiences, today is the day. In other words, this is what Jesus was saying. I need some people in nations all over the world who claim that there is a kingdom other than this kingdom that has come to reign. There is a government functioning from another realm. There is a leader of that that is good. And there is an anointing on the earth that is not from here. That's what he's asking. That's what he's saying. Tell your neighbor, watch out because I'm going to be proof of this. Tell him, I'm going to be proof. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to be proof of the kingdom of God in my life. I'm going to be proof. I'm going to testify. I'm going to share everything that God is doing because that's what it says. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached and the testimony will go to the nations. The problem is we may see a miracle, but we don't talk about it because the enemy says, oh my, that's just tooting your own horn. You better watch out because the summit is going to be claiming testimony of everything that God has done. And when we see miracles happen, we're going to talk about them. And those testimonies of airplanes and those things that God has already promised us to do, you may think, oh, wow, what do you need that for? I don't know, but he's told us, so we better go pursue it. And when we get it, we say, hey, this is the testimony of what the kingdom of God is, how it functions, how it works. I want you to be able to say, I am standing and I'm going to give a testimony that in 2020 and 2021, I will not be sick because the kingdom doesn't have sickness. I will not be hungry because there's no hunger in the kingdom of God. I will not be fearful because there's no fear in the kingdom of God. That's the testimony. Or we can make it about coming and singing songs and just buddying up with people. I want you to testify that no weapon formed against you will prosper. No lie against you will be held up. It will be struck down. That's a testimony. I have a question, Steve. Are you going to be a testimony in your business for what the kingdom of God is? 
Jen, are you going to be a testimony in the hospital for what the kingdom is? Are you going to be a testimony of what the kingdom of God looks like? You see, because you come here to look more like Jesus when you leave. You come here to get filled with the kingdom so that when you go out of here, the kingdom of God is represented in the world. You come out, you come here on Sunday morning not just to hang out. You come here to get your brain covered in the Lord so that you can go testify. He put you in that job not so that you could just get out of it and get a better job. He put you scooping ice cream not so that you would just scoop ice cream for the rest of your life. He put you there so that you could explain the kingdom of God to people. And when they ask you what you're doing there, say, I'm taking over. <laughs> we laugh about it. We laugh about it. No, God put you there to take over and bring the kingdom of heaven there even when you're scooping ice cream. Let's be honest and say, no, we're here to take over. If we aren't willing to say it in the confines of this room, you're not going to say it in your workplace. You're not going to say it in your house. You're not going to say it when that person's sick and they're going into the hospital with COVID. You're not going to stand there and say, no, this isn't going to happen because the kingdom of God is stronger than that. But we won't even say it here. Matthew 24, 18 says this, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Of what? All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. He'll be with you if you're doing that. He'll be with you if you're doing that. I know I've been passionate this morning, but I believe that God wants so much for his church to demonstrate the kingdom of heaven on earth that we don't walk into situations and throw some money at a problem, that we go in and actually get in there and fix the problem. For many years, people have talked and we've prayed and we've had all these prayer meetings about the government of the United States of America. We've talked about 19, whatever it is here, 1954 when Lyndon Johnson put on the 501c3 amendment saying that you, do you realize what that was yeah. do you realize what that was that okay so there was already a 501c3 deal he was a senator and two men from texas opposed his campaign and they were doing it with finances from a 501c3 which was fine at that point and he said no i'm ticked off and he won re-election he goes to the senate and he says this bill i want to change I want to add in there that they can't talk about politics inside the church. They can't do that anymore. And so without a caucus, without anything else, it passed with a vote and there's no record of the vote. But we pray about our government and I'm not saying we don't pray. I love that we've got the 15 minutes of prayer every single day. I, I love all that stuff. I'm just saying that we can pray about it but God wants us to actually execute it, go testify about it and see change. We're never gonna see a change in our governmental system if we're not willing to actually put people in government. We're not gonna see a change in our, in our local government if we're not gonna run for mayor. So don't complain when they make decisions about the nativity scene because some organization out in the West comes and sues them. If you're there, then execute the kingdom. If you're not there, then you better vote people there that are going to execute the kingdom. And so we can't complain when we're in situations where they're looking at a hanging chad to see who's going to run our nation. Because the church has not been on mission.
We've not been on mission. We've been absent from the mission. We haven't even known what the mission is. We've talked about it. We've, we've had major sermons about the Great Commission, but we haven't understood that the commission that God has given us is to testify of his kingdom to every creature in every nation and to bring his kingdom to earth. So, the church's mission is clear. The mission of the summit is clear. I was working on a project this week with a couple of business uh, guys that I hang with, and we were writing out this impact filter, this, this working through this guide that we're, we're producing. And our word for 2020 at the summit was kingdom impact. It is kingdom impact. That was the word in January. The Lord spoke clearly. It's kingdom impact. How's the kingdom impact going for you? Do you feel like you're more impacted than you are making impact? From what I hear around the region, not in this house specifically, but around the region, is that the enemy is impacting more than we're impacting. And hope is being lost, and all this stuff is happening. It begins when we understand our mission. Our mission at the summit is this. We declare that the summit is on mission to ensure that every man, woman, and child have repeated opportunities to hear, see, and experience the kingdom of God. That's it. That's our mission. That they have multiple times to hear. That means you better be talking about the testimony. You better be believing for big things because he's believed for a lot bigger things than you could ever dream of. You better be demonstrating the kingdom. They better be able to see it every single day. They better have repeated opportunities to see the kingdom of God executed in your life. And then, the one that gets me so jazzed is that they have to experience the kingdom. Nothing is more powerful than somebody experiencing the kingdom as he invades their body and their kneecap completely just is healed. They've had seven surgeries. They have all these scars. And in one moment, they experience the kingdom of heaven on that knee. And they are forever changed. That's our mission, folks. That's our mission. Now, all of it boils back down to one thing. And that is, we have to hear the king. We have to understand what his heart is. We have to understand what his passion is. We have to understand what he's declaring in this hour. And the only way that we can do that is through relationship with him. Would you stand this morning? God has said that this will be a house of prayer, an oasis of healing for the nations. That's the kingdom. Now some of you in here Maybe you've never experienced the tangible love of the Lord in your life. That's the first step. You've got to be introduced to the king. If that's you, if you're watching online or if that's you this morning, he is pursuing you like he did Adam in the garden, even after Adam did all the crazy things. He betrayed the king. He betrayed the creator of the world. And yet God was pursuing him. There is nothing that you have done 
or could ever do that would stop him from pursuing you? Nothing. And so today, if you've been running from all the nastiness of life and you have been focused on you, then today it's time to shift your focus. For he says, I have given my son so that you may have life. You may have life. We are seeing transformation in our region. We're seeing transformation in people's lives as we do one-on-one discipleship. We're seeing people transformed as they begin to do our Summit 6, which is really all about connecting us to the voice of the Father. And so on this mission that we're on, we're not just going to talk about what the kingdom of God is. We're not just going to talk about what we're supposed to be doing. We're going to talk about how to equip ourselves for that internal game to allow the Lord to change who we are so that when we walk out, we're not intimidated by the world. And so those Summit 6 that I've talked about for over a year, that we have to, actually two years now, that we have to actually be following somebody. We have to be having people come with us. I heard a story of a country which I cannot mention that is exploding by the kingdom of God right now. In that country, when someone comes in and they don't know anything, they teach them about this scripture that we talked about this morning, that there is a creator, that the creator loved, loved the Trinity so much that he wanted to bring mankind into that relationship. And they go through the book of Genesis, and as they're going through the book of Genesis, they're required they're required to bring two other people into the conversation. They don't talk about Jesus. They don't talk about Jesus. They talk about the creator of the world and how man fell and that there was probably a problem there along the way. And what part of the problem do you think you are a part of? Well, I'm a part of mankind that fell. Okay, great. Well, you know what? After 12 weeks, they talk about that there was someone who was sent to redeem what you lost. And they're seeing a rapid fire all across this nation. And they mentioned Jesus on week 12. You see, that's what this Summit 6 is supposed to be doing to prepare you. That you're in the Word every day. That you actually have Holy Spirit encounters. You're not just coming here to have a fall-down experience, but you're seeing Him transform your, the atmosphere in your car. that your relationships are going to be so healthy. You're going to be influential. You're going to see things shift. The kingdom. I'm not here pouring out my soul so you can come back next week and get more. I'm pouring out my soul so that when you leave here, you'll go out and do what God is telling you to do. Pray for that person. Believe that they're going to get up out of the casket and walk out. All the things that he tells you to do, that you do it, and then you can come back here and testify. That's the goal. So if you haven't experienced him, today is your day. Ask him to be the Lord of your life. Ask him to be the king. And if you're here this morning and you haven't been walking in kingdom authority, if you haven't been walking in that, you haven't been able to even testify about what God is doing in your life, then today is the day to make that shift. Today is the day to say, I want to be on mission with you in your kingdom mission, God. I don't want to be distracted anymore. I don't want to worry about what the polls say. I don't want to worry about what what the networks say. I don't want to worry about what the world says, that people can't be healed of COVID instantly. No, I want to believe what you say about it. 
I remember the, the action of seeing this happen in my life for the first time. Well, not the first time. The first time I actually focused on it. I remember I, I saw this desk that I wanted. And I told the story before. I saw the desk that I wanted. I called my friend and I said, listen, I want to test out the kingdom. I want to test it out. I believe that I desire that. And the word says it will give you your heart's desire. And I said, I, I desire this not for myself. I actually want it to do something else. It's not specifically for me. I just want it in my possession so that I can do something else with it. And I said, will you agree with me? And he said, yep, I'll agree with you. So we agreed. We recorded it. So we have it recorded. And I asked the Lord and I said, Lord, can I have it? And we went about our daily time. Later on that day, the Lord highlighted that desk in another place and said, I'm giving it to you. And I was like, awesome. I'm hearing the Lord. I'm excited. Will this be a year from now? So I asked. I was seeking. I was looking for it. And then I knocked. And on that specific spot, I called that person. And I said, I want to know what this looks like. And they said, oh, well, here, it's yours. And I began to testify about it. And then God took me from desks to people in this place, your jobs, that we agree with the kingdom of heaven over you. And we're seeing things transform. He's given much bigger dreams. He's given much bigger things. But it only comes when we're in communion with him. And when we're willing to say, God, this is what I desire. And you say in your word, you say, what does that go back to? Last week we talked about justice. We've been missing the justice train in our lives because we aren't walking in kingdom truth. We're walking in church stuff that needs to be washed out of our mind that we can engage in the kingdom of heaven. So if you want someone to agree with you on something that you have heard from the Lord or that you desire, then we're going to take a moment as Caitlin is playing and we want to agree with you this morning. If you can turn the lights down for one second, we will agree with you this morning. If there's no one bold enough to come forward and do that this morning, that's totally fine. Send us an email, send us a text. We'll agree without you being here. That's fine. But we want to agree with you because I believe that God has so much more in each of your lives. He, he put you in that position so that you would transform it with the kingdom of heaven, but he's got lots of positions for you to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth.